Welcome back to Night Cheese. As always, I'm Steven. And I'm Tim. And we, uh, before we get too deep here, I just want to uh, welcome back our dear friend of the show, Jared. Thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, your presence, I think, is going to be sorely needed tonight. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Would not miss this one for the week. Okay. So uh, I would like to welcome everyone to the month of November. And for this week's episode, which we are titling Thunderous Applause, um, I'm really grateful for everybody who participated with us and nominated horror films for us in October. That was a really um, strangely enriching experience. Seems seems weird to talk about horror films in that way, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, now we're we're off to a horse of a different color. Um, So. I will say tonight is going to be a bit of an aberration for what we wanted to do in the month of November period. Um, in November, uh, we would, we, as the month rolls on, we, we kind of like to revisit, uh, some of maybe, I, I don't know if I want to say our favorite films per se, but just films that we really like that have a lot of redeeming quality, you know, just a kind of a spirit of thankfulness movies. Yeah. We glad we are glad exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, um, now tonight is not one of those movies. Um, <laughs> but since this episode is going to be dropping, uh, Monday, uh, we will be, we, we are, if you're listening to this on Monday, we are speaking to you on the eve of the 2020 election. So, um, our film tonight that we're discussing is somewhat related to that. I'm going to drag this out just a little bit more because there was a little bit of sad news that, uh, hit over the mm. weekend. Um, the film, the world, the film community, like there's the only people who know who this is, um, the world, uh, lost, uh, Sir Sean Connery, um, who had retired from making movies quite some time ago, but obviously left, um, a, a long lasting impact, uh, through, through lots of different films. Um, we didn't really talk about this before we started recording the show, but I did mention that I at least wanted to bring it up because, uh, given how deep into the rabbit hole we'll probably get later on tonight's selection, uh, this is probably gonna be as good a time as ever to bring it up. So, uh, do you guys have any words or thoughts or memories or quick favorite films about Sean Connery you, you want to bring up? Tim. I'll let you go first. <laughs> I feel like I'm the, learning. I'm learning now. I'm going to dictate which one of you speaks first. Yeah. I do this every time. That's, that's probably a good idea because yeah. Tim Tim is very nice and very deferential to the guest and and I but I don't want to talk over you know the regular guy too. So I you know so it just ends up in in silence for several seconds. <laughs> oh man, just yeah. turns out you both hate Sean Connery. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. I've actually never been a fan. No, uh, no. I you know my mine are kind of I. I just hesitate to say them because they're more of the, you know, the obvious, but I mean, his, uh, his role as Bond, I just feel like was just kind of a, a singular character that just stands out. And I mean, although, you know, there've been Bond since and met, you know, a couple great ones. I just, I feel like he just, he's kind of like immortalized that hit that role. Um, that, that's one that stands out. And then of course, and I, I don't want to jump, I'm sure you're going to say this. So I'll just initiate it. But, uh, his also, um, just his, like, almost like a departure of what he typically does, but his role in uh, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade, it just feels like a different, you know, character that he'd ever played, and I really, I really loved it. Yeah, well, I'll say, you know, I'll pile on with Bond a little bit. I mean, you know, you want to make the argument he was the first Bond, so we don't really get any more Bond if, if yeah. he fails. Yeah. Um. So that is that is something to really consider, and um, you know, he is 
for for most, I, I would say people who consider themselves friends of mine that consider themselves like hardcore James Bond fans, all of them have Connery as their favorite Bond. Um, I, I think at least I don't know anybody mm-hmm. who really represents for another Bond as strongly as the pro Connery people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- with good measure, I mean he was he was great in that role. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just jump in and say, cause last Indiana Jones, the last crusade is my far and away, my, my favorite Connery role. I mm-hmm. mean, that's not, it, it's, and that, that I, I'll admit that's not solely because of Connery. I mean, there's so many things in that film that work together. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I am, um, I, I'm a sucker for a good father son story and his chemistry with, uh, his chemistry with Harrison Ford uh, mm-hmm. was awesome. And honestly, his just um, his his sort of I don't know if I want to call it a story arc, but the the story arc of his father, like not only just um, how he related to uh, Indiana, but mm-hmm. also his own like kind of quest for the grail and what that yeah. did to him as a, as a person. And um, that's that's one of my favorite um, it's one of my favorite story arcs in any of those films. Mm-hmm. Uh, really has very little to do with the actual character of Indiana Jones, but yeah. <laughs> Henry Jones, Henry Jones Sr. And like mm-hmm. what, what his uh, quest for the grail did uh, both to and for him um, was unexpectedly touching for a sort of blockbuster adventure movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jared, uh, any etc for what's already been said or things to add yeah i can't really add too much it's kind of the same thing um yeah obviously bond and indiana jones um yeah i kind of wish maybe we'd gotten a little bit more of him playing some of those um indiana jones type roles uh because i think i think for me um you know the the scene that really stands out from that movie is where uh Indiana Jones is, you know, he's trying to get the the grail, you know, it's yes. just right there and he's reaching for it. And, you know, and he just delivers this calming voice to like snap him back to yes. um, the, the present and reality to talk him off that. And I kind of wish we had gotten more of those roles, you know, in kind of the same way that uh, we've gotten some of those with with guys like Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen or, you know, pick, take your pick. But um, yeah. uh, I don't know how much I know in the last you know, several years, I I assumed he was probably dealing with, um, some sort of cognitive decline because we hadn't really seen much of anything from him. And they, they did say that he had been, you know, suffering from dementia. I don't, I don't think they said how long. So that may have kind of, um, not sure if it was, you know, entirely his choice to end his acting career when he did, or if he, if he kind of had to, but, uh, uh, I'm kind of wish we had gotten more of those, but yeah, Bond and, and that role is Indiana Jones. Um, for sure. Of course, you've got some others like the hunt for red October and some of those, yeah. but, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, um, one that, uh, that I'll definitely, you know, remember, remember fondly. Yeah. One last film we didn't talk about, I uh, will say is I'll, I'll go on record and say that, uh, Connery was a part of, uh, the, without question, uh, the best Michael Bay film he's ever made, which is the rock. Um, Uh, with Nicolas Cage. And, um, as far as action movies go, as far as Michael Bay action movies go, that's top of the list, uh, with, with, uh, his style of filmmaking and stuff. And, uh, he really brought a lot, brought a lot to that role. Um, 
that, you know, in retrospect kind of made me overlook the Bayisms of his movies, you know, because, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like not seeing the silliness of star Wars because Alec Guinness is in it and mm-hmm. bringing so much gravitas to Obi-Wan or something, yeah. you know? And like, it, it, it was kind of like that. Um, only Michael Bay here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, guys, yeah, by, by all means, um, share with us your, your favorite, uh, Connery roles or moments. Um, I'm thinking, also thinking of finding Forrester, which is actually a film I never saw, but I remember a few friends of mine really, really fond of and stuff as well. So yeah, let us know, um, sometime this week over social media, if you're wanting to distract yourself from whatever else might be happening in the world this week. Um, with uh, what some of your favorite Connery films or moments or memories are. All right. Now that that's uh, out of the way. So, um, yes, it's no secret. Uh, again, if you're listening to this on Monday, tomorrow is the 2020 election. Um, and we might already know how it's turned out at this point. Um, we might not know for a few more weeks. Who, who, we, we, at this point, we have, we have really no idea. It's just a bunch of conjecture and yeah. doomsday scenarios. So um, <laughs> in, in light of the culture, in light of all the impending theories, and then in light of sort of uh, hmm, the entertainer culture of American leadership, um, I'm just trying to find really diplomatic ways to th- say things. Those, those so, are pretty good. Those are pretty good. Yeah. So we yeah. have somewhere to go. Um, we're actually going to dig back in the Wayback Machine and go back ooh, 14 years um, to a film that none of us had seen before. This is all the first time viewing for the three of us. Um, 2006's Mike Judge film, Idiocracy. So... Real quick, um, Front Street. Th- this is not a great film. Um, it's it's it is a uh, low low budget. Uh, well, I don't know if I don't, actually I don't know if it's low budget. It certainly didn't make very much money. It's low, um, it's low budget. I, I think I can like confidently say it's yeah. probably low budget. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's a low budget film. Um, it's it is uh, certainly a. It's funny because this I will say in in the good way uh, as a compliment. This film is both a product of its time and kind of prophetic um, because uh, the, the humor in it is very uh, juvenile. Um, so Mike Judge, if you don't know who Mike Judge is, um, he has made some really, um, in my opinion, he, he's made some really landmark uh, um, comedy satire in Hollywood over the years. Mm-hmm. Um uh, he first came to notoriety with uh, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, he was the creator of Beavis and Butthead in the early to mid '90s, uh, which obviously seems super tame in the world of Family Guy and South Park now. But there was a time before either of those shows existed, where that was like the bane of children's existence, uh, like that and The Simpsons. You know, we're going to destroy the minds of America's children. And um, what's funny though is that. Um, Beavis and Butthead apparently was also was was satirical on the youth of America in the uh, in the early 90s. But that was constantly overlooked. Um, And and, uh, the message always seemed to get missed Um, and also ended up kind of creating some youth that emulated it. Um, uh, He was also responsible for a cult classic 
comedy in the mid nineties as well. Office space, uh, which has lived on, um, an infamy, maybe Mm -hmm. it's just because I work in an office. Um, but basic, but that is, that has certainly lived on and, uh, working America. Um, a lot of the, the jokes from, from that film and stuff. And then also probably nearest and dearest to my heart. He was responsible for the animated, uh, TV series, King of the Hill. Um, so Mike judge actually has, is really, um, capable of some really um i don't want to call it highbrow but really some really deep and smart satire and um he's kind of going uh going for this again with idiocracy and um so idiocracy stars uh luke wilson maya rudolph dex shepherd and terry cruz um which is just so interesting to me that three out of those four names, well, maybe Dax not so much anymore, I guess. But two out of those four names are still pretty relevant in my, in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Terry Crews and Maya, Maya Rudolph, especially considering we're talking about the election, and she currently portrays uh, vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris on SNL. So um, interesting. Um, so. Idiocracy uh, scored a 6.6 on uh, IMDb. Uh, It is currently at this time available on HBO Max, uh, if you dare, uh, if you if you'd like to watch it. It's not a particularly long film. I think it's it's in the 90 minute uh, area Um, and yeah, 84 minutes. So um, it's the story of this sort of uh, Luke Wilson. He is a uh, he, he, he he's uh he's in the army. And uh, forgive me, I only watched the film once, and it didn't really leave a lasting impression in terms of the actual film itself, more about what it represents and what we kind of pull from it and see today. Um, there is a highlight, there's some really peak Mike Judge satire going on from the very beginning, where it's talking about sort of the evolution of mankind from the present to the future based on this case study between two couples uh, deciding to have um, deciding whether or not to have children Um, in a nutshell. He's basically saying that less intelligent people populate the earth more due to a lack of intelligence or self-discipline or morals or or whatever more so than the more intelligent people. So they begin to outnumber the intelligent people. And, uh, and before you know it, the human race is overrun with sub intelligent people. Um, there is this plot line about Luke Wilson and Maya Rudolph. Uh, Luke Wilson, a, uh, a military a librarian or something like that. He he's tucked away and he does he does nothing basically. He's <laughs> he's basically a military slacker if that's possible. He's he is the military version of the main character from Office Space. Basically, mm. he he sits away in an office and he tries not to do any work and he tries not to get noticed. Yeah, it's not even like it's not even really an office. It's, it's like a I don't know if it's a library or like a file room. Like I, yeah. I almost took it as like a file room or inventory type thing because it's at yeah. like the back of the back of a building. He doesn't interact with anybody. And yeah. that's that's what he wants is they they, mm-hmm. you know, uh, discuss the fact that he ha- has never wanted to get out into another position because he just likes being there and not having to deal with people or uh, anything else really. Right. So you've got him. So the military chooses him and Maya Rudolph, who plays a prostitute in the film, um, as these um, test subjects for uh, basically they end up in in this sort of cryo sleep 
type situation. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, hijinks ensue. Uh, the Earth goes to goes to hell basically, and and they are awakened in the year twenty five oh five, so about five hundred years in the future, to find out that this premise at the beginning of the movie about uh, less intelligent people sort of taking over the world through mass. Um, multiplication um has has now effectively dumbed down society and he luke wilson is now de facto the smartest man on earth um or at least the smartest man in america they don't really talk outside of america in the the film Mm -hmm. uh that much so you you pretty much keep it to america but you can pretty much assume that's what's going on um so from then on we kind of see him and her interact with the modern culture. And, um, and, and from there, I, I would love for you guys to dive in because there's, there, there's a lot to pull from in, in the way they portray the, uh, the modern, the modern society. So let, let, let's go for that first. Want to go with Tim? <laughs> Sorry. I, I betrayed my own promise already. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, so the the you know at, with this arrival, you know, five hundred years later, uh, Luke Wilson's character has come to see not only yeah are people less intelligent, but um, private companies have been able to take advantage of this lack of intelligence, and so you see this just absolute train wreck of a meshment between you know like public service, pu- yeah, public service maybe, and um, private companies. Um, to the point where, you know, everything's sponsored by 13 different companies and um, it's just has turned uh, just everything, everything into chaos and pra- practically destruction. Um, and so that's kind of where he where he arrives. There, there's uh, even two government officials whose names are well, the president, one of the president's middle names is Mountain Dew. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the original secretary of the interior or something is um, brought to you by brought to you by Carl's Jr. Is that? Yeah. Brought to yeah, you by yeah. Carl's Jr. Like he's contractually obligated yeah. to yeah. Carl's Jr. Whenever he speaks to somebody. Yeah. And even at a certain point you learn, you know, down, down into the, you know, as you get into the movie that um, uh, like a, a, an energy drink, a sports drink bought the FDA um, in order to kind of market and to use their drinks on um, agriculture, you know, on irrigation um, and water fountain, like that's replaced water essentially, except for, um, using the restroom. That's what everybody says. You want, why would you want water from toilets? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want water? It's in toilets. So, um, so it's an interesting kind of like, uh, this idea of, uh, yeah, marketing consumerism. And even now how like the, the, how just the ubiquity, the, how advertising becomes so, such a part of our lives and everything we see almost, how it's that just kind of keeps growing and snowballing until it's kind of taken over and just kind of uh, everything is just in shambles because of it. Well, and even even more so, even less so, it's a smaller thing, but it's one of the first things I noticed that seemed to kind of replicate itself into modern uh, entertainment is mm-hmm. you see a character watching this giant TV screen, but the only <laughs> sc- ratio of the screen that's actually playing programming is probably about the size of an average TV set. Cause the rest of it is inundated with ads, mm-hmm, right. uh, nonstop. And, you know, I'm oh, like yeah. watching this on my fire TV stick, seeing, a, an ad for the new Borat movie, you know, on, on top or something. I'm like, gosh, that's weird. 
you know, I like yeah. Rudy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jared, what do you, uh, what, what did you notice? Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think maybe to compare it, I was trying to think of a comp for people and maybe the closest one I can come up, uh, with is the world is basically sort of like what you see in Wally. Um, mm, yeah. it's basically oh, yeah. just like a, a mountain of trash. Like that's how our protagonists get out of cryo sleep is, <laughs> is they've been buried in a mountain of trash and then there's a trash avalanche that uh, basically gets triggered and then washes through the city. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be Los Angeles or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like if, if, if the people in Wally had not gone to space, if they yeah. had just stayed on Earth, yeah. um, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's kind of well, what it would be. Yeah. Um, Ironically, and- I read in the trivia, too, that the the uh, catalyst of the avalanche was a beer can that was was uh, recyclable. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, and so everything just, you know, everything is just boiled down to everything's been dumbed down and everything's just kind of about people's, um, you know, base uh, yeah, yeah. desires and stuff like that. I mean, speech is is you know, as, as dumbed down as it can get, it's kind of like you, you took, uh, a a text conversation and then, you know, dumbed it down 10 times more than, than that. And so that, and added a few slurs to it and and Mm -hmm. added slurs to it. Um, especially if anyone sounds smart, then, uh, then you, you hit them with a slur. Uh, Mm Um, so, um, you know, there's that it's stuff like, uh, one of the characters, when we meet him, he's sitting there watching it, you know, TV uh, in his living room. But his recliner is also a toilet to where he just doesn't even have to get up to go to the bathroom. Uh, um, you know, most uh, so many things have been replaced, like Starbucks and stuff like that are basically um, they're selling sex services now. Uh, so you get you, you get the picture, you know, and, and, and then like uh, like the cot like Costco looks like um well people wouldn't really probably get this reference that much but it looks like (laughs) it looks like a maze in um breath of the wild zelda breath of the wild uh it's just this (laughs) giant ongoing structure and you can uh get everything from there including law degrees yeah so i really uh, <laughs> i like those details as they're walking through the costco i mean literally it takes them over an hour to get to where they need to go and you see like yeah. plane crashes that have not been handled you know like dealt with yes. you just see this, right i mean all these little kind of uh easter egg, just this kind of humor in the background it really it, it cracked me up right well let's go back to the sort of um resentment against intelligence um and and i think and and and, and i think it's particularly poignant as well that Luke Wilson's not really that intelligent of a person. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's a resentment against common sense right. in this film. Um, common sense looks like intelligence uh, right. in this movie because everyone else has been dumbed down so much. And, and the lowest common denominator has just grown to this like, um, you know, critical, critical mass. And um, I think about a scene where Luke Wilson is on trial and the the narr- I, I'm going to 
butcher this, so I'm sorry, but then there's there's a great whoever's the narrator in the film is it's it's a great uh narrow great writing for the narration. But like he goes to plead his defense and they're like, but because he spoke with a highly you know, with a slightly higher octave in his voice, <laughs> they mocked his effeminate tone. Yeah. And and instead, you know, accused him of being guilty. Like, you know, like it's just um, such base level accusations <laughs> and 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 uh, derision and stuff um, in the communications of people. And um, they talked. Um, I, I'm, I'm, we're we're going to do a lot of hopping around, and eventually we're going to get into you know. If, if you haven't figured out why we picked this movie tonight, yet, <laughs> you this might be your first time listening to our podcast. Um, <laughs> So we, um, going back to, uh, I think Brondo was the name of the, the sports mm-hmm. drink right? yeah. that, that bought the FDA. So it's this Gatorade like substance and they, they constantly parroting back its, its catchphrases and its taglines to people saying, you know, well, it's, it's got electrolytes. And so like they, since the FDA is, is owned by this company, they use it to water their crops. So all the crops are dead. Um, and but you know obviously it's the biggest one of the biggest companies in the world um because of you know all the <sighs> corruption um so anyway uh, through 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 a sequence of events luke wilson's character um is told that if he can solve their food shortage then you know they'll try to arrange a way for him to go back to his time and so um, he's like, well, why don't you guys just use water, you know, for the plants? <laughs> and of course, and then they're like, you know, again, what from the toilet? And he's like, well, it doesn't yeah. have to be from the toilet, but in essence, yes. And, and their response is, but it has electrolytes. <laughs> like, I, I just found, I just, I just found, um, you can buy Brondo shirts on Amazon. And so it's got the full, it's got the full slogans here. And so it says Brondo, it's got electrolytes. It's it's got what plants crave. Brondo, the thirst mutilator. The thirst mutilator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like every yeah, everything it's like it's like of a surge bottle just threw up on you this this movie. Yeah. Um and so lo and behold, they do try his idea to actually you know, novel idea, water plants with water. Um and the, the plants start to grow again. Well, then that ends up tanking the stock of Brondo because it no longer is being used to irrigate crops and it starts tanking the economy. So then all of a sudden people are like, we have to save the economy. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this all <laughs> sounds way too familiar right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, um, yeah, so. 2020 has been a weird year. Um, that's uh, just some of these ideas here. Um, you know, what's so just a couple of interesting things I want to say about the movie again, real quick before we just go ahead and turn this thing over is that, um, you know, it, the movie didn't make a lot of money. It did, it did find, it did find its audience kind of as a cult classic uh, mm-hmm. for some of the reasons we're probably going to get into. Um, you know, they ended up saying, you know, a lot of people have ended up saying that Judge's movie is kind of prophetic. Um, also, I don't really know what this this next gag has to do with anything, but it was one of my favorite part jokes of the movie. Um, 
so I want to share it anyways, is in talking about all the terrible things that happened in the movie, they said um, there was only ever one movie that was playing and it was just a prolonged shot of a man's <laughs> butt. Um, and, and it said it won all the Oscars and then mm-hmm. it paused for a beat and said, including best original screenplay. <laughs> and it was just a butt that was just farting on screen for like 90 minutes. And, oh, well, I, and I got to say, I love uh, the bit where Luke Wilson is like basically tearing into them for this lack of curiosity and uh, mm-hmm. all these different things. And he's, and so he goes off on this little um, riff about that where he's like, why is the butt there? Why is it farting? Why is it, you know, and he goes off into all these little things about like how you could actually make that movie into a more interesting movie. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyway, we already mentioned like Costco and Carl's Jr. and all these you know, corporate um, sponsorships in the movie and the way they're kind of being portrayed. So this created an issue for 20th Century Fox when it was time to actually market the film. So um, uh, in addition to concerns about how to market the film, 20th Century Fox also grew weary of the film's frequent harsh critiques of recognizable corporations. Studio executives wished to shuff- wish to shuffle the movie to DVD shelves as quickly and quietly as possible. The film's contract, however, stipulated that it had to receive a theatrical release. The studio met the terms of the contract but provided no marketing for the film, released it in an unusually small number of cinemas in select cities, and pulled the film in all markets after only one week. So little effort was put into showing the film in theaters that some of the few cinemas that screened the film were forced to promote it as Untitled Mike Judge Project in their list of coming attractions. So... I saw where I saw where I looked up the numbers and it made five hundred thousand. It made five hundred thousand dollars. And of course, it was only on a budget of four million. So it would have been so easy for you to make a profit with that because four million dollars is nothing. I mean, you you get Mm -hmm. indie indie project films that are almost, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, made for that these days. So, yeah. yeah. And that was a worldwide gross of half a million dollars. Yeah. Like that one weekend, it made one hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars, which was still more than the fanatic, the, uh, the Fred Durst movie. <laughs> nice uh, that came out not too long ago. Much more than that, at least. Um, oh man! Oh gosh! So um, <laughs> all right. So so anyway, here we are with uh, with with all of this, um, and 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 I will say one last thing. You know, once the once the conflict has been resolved in the film. There is a something of an encouraging line at the end of the movie where it says, you know, Joe wasn't really the smallest, the, the smartest man in the world. He was he was average. But, you know, sometimes to save the world, you, sometimes or I, I'm totally killing this this last line um, here. But it just says but it was something to the effect of, you know, maybe you can't save the world all at one time. But, you know, if you have average people doing the right thing, you can at least get the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah. Um which is to say they didn't solve all the world's problems, but they solved one of them. And, you know, you kind of get the idea that you're moving forward and not backward, you know? Um, Um, Yeah. So, and I think, um, I think that is a question that's been on a lot of people's minds for however many years you want to say, whether it's the past four years or longer or whatever is, you know, are we moving forward or backward? And one of the reasons this film has gotten such a cult status, um, in, in the DVD market and 
at home viewing now and stuff is um, people's likening of the sort of the dumbing down of society to modern day, modern day society. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's not this uh, one-to-one ratio of, of upfront stupidity in, in every area, but I think there are, there is a lot of uh, lacking in common sense in certain areas and, and a lot of co-opting from corporate interests and things. And, and, um, and, and that, and that, that filters into a lot of areas of life, including the government and leadership. So, um, anyway, uh, I am going to, um, pause and take a sip of something. So, uh, Tim, uh, any, anything <laughs> you wish to, to usher us into, um, on, on that take from yeah. the film's influence. So I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll kind of, of, so of the couple ideas that, you know, Mike judge is playing with. And, and, and the first one I want to mention, I don't know how, if he actually thinks this is happening or, or, uh, you know, I, how, how much he believes this. But I will say that one of the things that is presented or kind of of the ideas expressed in the film, I will say just off the bat, I think the one that I actually don't really, I not don't really, I don't think at all is the idea of like dumb people beget dumb, like the, the idea of like eugenics, like there are just certain people that like have genes where you will be less, intellectual you know I so and which i don't think we really need to talk about that much but that's one one thing i think if of all the things presented is this dumbing down because of who your you know your parents are your you know that sort of thing the genealogy is one thing i would push back but i do think i mean obviously we you know you mentioned a little bit like the idea of the 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 fact of how encroaching private companies are becoming um, yeah, even, even within, you know, even within like, even within government, um, I feel like that definitely is a big issue. And, um, the way, you know, even advertising, I can't remember, there was some statistic I meant to look it up and I forgot, but on a certain day you'll see a, you know, a, a certain amount of advertisements and it's in, you know, it's, it's an insane amount, but then also just the idea of like the consumerism in general and marketing, it's ironic because I feel like when I first watched this, um, I didn't love it when I first watched it, but it was definitely pre-Trump, and I, <laughs> and I did. I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is where we're going as a society." But I'll be honest, after watching this now, I'm like, "Oh, I don't know how much of it is this like anti-intellectual, like I'm anti-intelligence." It's almost like the I don't know what the equivalent, like a fake news intel, like this denial of not denial of intelligence, but, um, there's, there's something I'm demonizing. Yeah, maybe. Or, or, but not even the other side deny they, they, they just, it's a different pseudo intelligence. Yeah. I I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, basically, um, I'll just touch on this and this is, this could get off on its own rabbit trail, but, (laughs) but, but basically like I could send you a ton of links to resources where people who typically buy into, conspiracy theories and things like that and and the whole fake news bit i would lump uh as as a more general sort of conspiracy theory because mm-hmm. people do do get to the point where it's just like everything's fake you know so that yeah. that's kind of a different kind of more generalized conspiracy theory yeah but but a lot of that is tied to wanting to feel smart and mm-hmm. wanting to yeah. feel special and so i think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you're getting towards is that it's not yep you know, stupidity for the sake of stupidity in the real world, it's sort of this wanting to feel smart and you end up being dumb 
because mm-hmm. you 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 like you you're you're working so hard to get around the obvious in order to try so you're working hard to get around common sense in a lot of yeah. cases in order to look brilliant and it's mm-hmm. the completely polar opposite effect that happens yeah. totally that's it and you know tim I, I i would argue too that the um uh, the, the the eugenics argument i think it's easy i think it's easy to see you know to see that in the film if you're looking for it mm-hmm. um but one thing i'll defend in the movie is like this sort of dark humor in the beginning in this opening case study about the one family who the, is basically the one man Cleve mm-hmm. Cleavon, I think was his name, which by the way, Jared, I think you will get a kick out of this. Apparently entertainment weekly gave this film a really poor review and they used the phrase, hold on, let me pull this up really quick. It says <laughs> entertainment weekly review um, in an entertainment weekly review, only 87 words long. Uh, Joshua Rich gave the film an EW grade of D saying that Mike judge implores us to reflect on a future in which here's some names for the past for you. Brittany and K fed are like the new Adam and Eve. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Wow. Yeah. When I read what that, would, I was like, wow. That was and what, and, and what would that movie get reviewed now? You know, like, well right. now it could, it, it, it might still not be, it, it would be too on the nose now, but right. I, I don't know. It would, it would, it would be poorly reviewed for the completely opposite reason. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. this is too obvious. Of course it's too on the nose. There's no, you know? <laughs> there's no subtlety here. Um, so I, I find the dark humor in this case study cause you have like Cleavon who is, mm-hmm. you know, the trailer trash. Basically he looks like a guy who would be a frequent guest on Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is this. Um, it, it's not so much that he's stupid of like, like, I mean, I know the, the film is about like the lack of intelligence, but I never got his promiscuity as, as due to a lack of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, he was constantly cheating on his partner, uh, and then his, and then his mistress and then his other mistress. And like, he just seemed just basically driven by base you know, the the most base desires. And I guess you could make an argument about the intelligence in that and like not having any um, self-control over that. But they all, you also measure that against uh, the, you know, genius couple Mm -hmm. that, that over, um, (laughs) that, that overthought themselves into death without any children. Like, so, you know, you could also make the argument, how, how smart was that? Yeah. Um, At the same time. (laughs) So like, I think, you know, I think there's a double edged sword on both of those things. Um, so I I don't know that it was really making a case for that, but I think just, yeah, totally. um, if anything, I think, you know, in introducing the protagonist, the way it was, it's more like kind of trying to fight against maybe the, the deception of, well, I mean, you know, I I don't know The, the opening thing almost seemed like a different almost like a different movie because yeah, like did. once yeah. they actually got into the future, it was really more about yeah the corporate control of things. It's, yeah, yeah. I felt like they kind of didn't need that, that beginning at all. Well, I, I mean, I think it's part of, I don't know for me, I think it works as part of the setup and, and my interpretation of it was, um, I, it probably is maybe, a you, you can interpret it different ways. I, I took it more as basically just, um, talking about like if if you grow up in a difficult situation or you know like like you you can point to all the studies of where like 
kids are more likely to succeed if they have parents who read to them, you know, when they're, I mean, very young, you know, and encourage them to read and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of took it as more, you know, that each, you know, each generation just kept getting diluted down in terms of the parents, not like inherent biological IQ and, and things like that. I mean, IQ is a mix, but, um, but, but more so not the eugenics as much as just like, um, it was a mix between, you know, the family's not caring and then each generation, it just got easier for mm-hmm. corporations to sort of control them. And so That's eventually, true, yeah. eventually, whereas you have kids like even now, you know, I can think of people, you know, kids that come out of a family and you're like, how did you come out of that family? You know, yeah. and, um, and, uh, you know, it, it's just very difficult. It's a lot easier for a kid in a good situation to, to go, mm-hmm. uh, totally. bad and screw up as than it is for someone to pull themselves out. But I think the one way that you do it, like, I mean, I grew up in a dysfunctional family, uh, but like I had, uh, in, in a way, like, I think like eighties and nineties sitcoms, were something that were beneficial to me because it was sort of like, you know, even though it's a fictional family, you're sitting there watching going, oh, I think these guys are doing it better than yeah. we are, you know? <laughs> and, and so I think if, if you've got a model somewhere, even if it's mm-hmm. a fictional model, then totally. then you still still can. But I think for, and, and this is a whole lot of like, in-depth analysis of such a simple movie but in in order in order to like in order to in 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 slightly in their defense i think it does like make sense a little bit because then you know in the entertainment world they they didn't have that there either and and so that that's Mm -hmm. kind of that was kind of my interpretation of it yeah but they really yeah you're right that's true they really did hit a lot on the d the whole nature versus nurture a lot of it was nurture as well just being raised yeah by bad dysfunctional families right so that's a good point. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can see that now too with like, you know, um, you know, Jared, you just touched on that, but I think about, um, <clears throat> you know, your Dax Shepard characters in this movie who are just constantly in front of a screen. And, you know, we think we talk about, you know, people talk about screen uh, parents anyways, you know, talk a lot about screen time with their children and stuff like that. And, you know, we, um, and I think a lot of that, how, how people, obviously no human being adult or child can really maintain consistent, you know, growth, mental growth, I think, and, and responsibility if it, uh, after too much prolonged exposure to entertainment or, um, you know, just electronic exposure and stuff like that, um, that needs to be moderated, you know, but, um, if that takes, it, it makes me think of an old Simpsons quote, uh, that that Homer said one time is like, I was raised TV by TV and I turned out TV, <laughs> um, which is just, well, you know, this idea, you know, that, that you know, if there's no parental involvement, you know, to kind of satiate that a little bit, you know, and like edge that off a little bit. Right. Um, you can raise children who turn out to be the Dax characters, you mm-hmm. know, uh, right. and stuff. And, and, and you have, and, and no wonder you have, even going back to the early 90s, speaking of Mike Judge, you, no wonder you have such an uproar over things like Beavis and Butthead corrupting and rotting the minds of our children. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that they were model citizens or anything, 
far from it. But at the same time, there is still a parental responsibility to to one's child if you are in their life to help help them as they are growing perceive and interpret the world around them you know mm-hmm. um like we you know we it's it's i don't know it's it's just like you know when you see uh it's it's the difference between like helping your kids understand that you know when wily coyote f- falls off a cliff it could be perceived as funny but you know when it happens to a character on lost it's not funny you know um yeah. that's that 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 didn't happen in my house i promise but like <laughs> but you know it, it is the idea though like you know when you're yeah. dealing with an impressionable mind and not just leaving them unattended to uh to to, to for for entertainment to raise them right. um I, I see, I mean, I, I, I see that in more, I guess it's because I'm around more kids now, now that I have kids and so they're peers and, 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 uh, contemporaries and stuff like that. I see like a lot of, it's, it's interesting how all of us in some form or fashion were probably raised on Disney films, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting the, the morality building in Disney animated films versus like Disney channel programming um, is like night and day when it deals with sort of the character building and, uh, of, of a person like, um, like, like Disney channel programming is like raising up an army of like bratty, uh, back talking preteens as like, as like model character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I see that play out. And so when we, you know, I'm like, wow, okay. Well, now I understand why there's so many kids like this. Like, all these people whose kids grew up watching, like, The Lion King or now, like, Frozen or Moana or something like that. And this, oh, it's this wholesome stuff with a good message. Sure, this mm-hmm. Disney made this, too. You can watch this. Like, nope. Yeah. Um, they're, they're about to turn against you now because you're not watching what they're watching. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and I was looking up. Um, I just found this. This is the first thing I came to, so I don't know if this is completely accurate but it's at least in the ballpark of what i've heard before but um like basically you know screen time is linked to um like inattentive inattentiveness behavior problems in children etc um like even you know two plus hours a day for uh, you know at least for like really young children can uh exponentially make them um you know more susceptible to uh attention deficit uh hyperactivity uh, and different things like that. And it makes sense because, you know, you've got something there entertaining them all the time. It's at the, it's the, at the touch of their fingers. Um, and especially in those really formative years where, uh, they're learning about how things are supposed to work. And so if that becomes their foundation or their, you know, model of how things are supposed to work and you get in the real world where, you know, you have to wait or things don't always go as they're, you know, supposed to, uh, you can, you can kind of start to see pretty quickly, like how that can set them up for, uh, a lot of problems pretty fast. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, Jared. Well, um, I know there's more you want to say. So you want me to give me a a hard, hard transition? Let's, let's, (laughs) we're going to take a hard turn now. Um, Jared's gonna gonna um you want my you want my you want my concise hard transition yeah (laughs) let's let's do it uh since about 2015 to 2016 
And now in light of watching this movie, I feel like we are living a prequel to idiocracy. Okay. Uh, let's, let, let's, let's flesh it out. Where, where are we in the prequel right now? Um, well, hopefully we're going to hit the end credits <laughs> in, in a couple of days. Um, but we'll see. Oh man. Well, you know, we, um, <clears throat> there, there's certainly, listen, there, there's a whole lot, um, there's a whole lot of parallels, you know, I was sitting here thinking, um, so Terry Crews, like his character plays, plays the president, um, Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Camacho or something like that is his name. <laughs> right. He was a, a pro wrestler turned president and, um, you know, Weird. it's a guy with a, a guy with a wrestling connection becoming president. Mm -hmm. Weird. I know. Strange. <laughs> I know. Um, and it's, it's funny though. I, I think, listen, I, I think about Trump in that because I'm not sure I didn't do any research. And I know like, for instance, I know like Reagan was an actor, um, in his career prior to becoming a politician, but he, but he held office and, you know, prior to becoming president. And so I'm not sure if in our country's history, if we've ever had somebody come and you can call him a businessman all you want, but he's, he's an, if I'm being diplomatic, he's an entertainer. Um, I don't think we've ever had someone go from entertainer to leader of our country, like in one career step. You know, yeah, and I might be wrong about that. I have done no research on that, but that seems like the kind of thing you'd be able to recognize. Um, yeah, uh, maybe so. I, I, and I don't know, and and I don't even like I don't hold that against him. Like if we had uh, President The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, taking over in 2021, mm -hmm. I'd feel pretty good about things. Like I think The Rock is a pretty successful entrepreneurial. Um, renaissance man sort of guy i think he would probably do a pretty good job i think he probably will be president one day because he's talked he probably seriously we, we we have now started rolling this boulder down the hill so right so i mean he's he's got it i i, I would be surprised if he wasn't yeah before well, we die yeah if he wasn't if he at least didn't he's, even have a serious campaign run let he, alone win He's talked about running in 2024 or 2028. I, I don't know about 2024, uh, but I can definitely see it like 2028, 2032. But so but I don't hold that against Trump. But like just a microcosm of like the parallel to idiocracy is, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci um, who's, you know, I think hopefully everyone knows who he is um, by now. You know, he's basically the top epidemiologist he's been on the coronavirus task force uh at different times he's been maybe more... the only person on the task force not to have gotten COVID. Uh, yeah maybe so well and that's probably uh, only because he got pushed you know like he he's not as for forefront uh, like lately he's been more and more pushed to the side so anyway over the last couple of weeks including um i think just yesterday or so he had been a little bit more critical of what the white house was was doing towards it and, um, you know, and, and they're not, you know, attempting to, to hide that. I mean, you know, he was basically praising Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, for saying, look, 
we're not really doing anything about it. Yeah. You know, we're going to get a vaccine eventually. Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever. It's fine. We've just mm-hmm. learned to live with it. So anyway, he was talking about that more so, though, it was really talking about how this is going to be a tough winter. Like we're going in, you know, we're seeing cases rise. We're seeing um, hospitalizations rise. There's some states. I think there's only four states where it's going down everywhere. It's going up. And you're going to have that on top of flu season and all that. Mm-hmm. So basically just painting the picture of you know, how this is going to be a rough winter. And when he did this originally, Trump came back with, with a response. And then another guy on the task force, uh, uh, Scott, I believe is his first name, Dr. Scott Atlas, who's like a radiologist. He's not even, has nothing to do with epidemiology. He's basically, it seems like a guy who Trump just put on the task force because he would be parroting whatever Trump said. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Trump and this guy both, in their response to the nation's top expert on the pandemic that has killed 225,000 people, they made fun of him being bad at throwing a baseball. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I'm not and I'm not joking about that. You know, they they yeah. made fun of him. It's like, you know, and so it really is like idiocracy. It's like here you've got mm-hmm. this guy talking about, oh, man, you know, this has killed 225,000 plus people. You know, we're, it's it's about to, because it's winter. It's going to overlap with flu. It's going to get really bad. And mm-hmm. then it's like, <laughs> but you you you're bad at throwing a baseball. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. um I laugh because I'm picturing that scene. Where um, <clears throat> where Dax Shepard is the de facto attorney for Luke Wilson. Yes, mm-hmm. right. And right. and I'm sitting here just imagining him saying, "Your Honor, Doctor Fauci throws like a girl." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like right. that. That's essentially how how that goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, um, that sort of toxic masculinity they really nailed. And I yes, will say, yes, it, yes, I, I, they did that well. You know, this is obviously hindsight, you know, looking back at the film, but I feel like in order, like if we wanted it to kind of gel and this, and I might, I, I blame a lot of what I'm about to say because, uh, based because of a book I'm reading right now. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys, I want to thank Victoria Farmer uh, for, I guess that's where I first heard about it, but it's called Jesus and John Wayne, how white evangelicals corrupted a faith and fractured a nation by I've heard, uh, Kristen I've heard of this book. Yeah. Uh, I would say the one thing I would have added to Idiocracy to make it like now, you know, now that we're however many, you know, 14 years since the movie, I would add like the only thing I would add in because I feel like the toxic masculinity is totally there. The kind of authoritarian rule, but I would add uh, <laughs> the president would have this sort of pseudo Christian nationalism bent. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like you're, you're kind of wipe your hands. That's kind of, that's kind of what we've become. And uh, I feel like that, I don't know if, if, you know, again, this is looking back, but that you add that little ingredient in, not a little ingredient, but if you add that in there, um, I think it really does a lot. I feel like that really explains a lot of where we're I at. I don't even know. I, I don't even know what that is now. You know, mm-hmm. um, if I was putting a real harsh mirror to myself, um, you know, being technically, I, I would say technically I'm an evangelical Christian still. Um I think probably back in the Bush administration, I think the guilt would have been more palpable there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the veneer on the Christianity is so thin now. Mm-hmm. Like it is just, it, it is, it is akin to like, um, well, why not? Since we're talking about 
uh, Christianity and evangelical. Well, why not make a Chick Fil A reference? All right, so there's um, Chick Fil A, which is a great restaurant, by the way. I'm not going to try to lump them in with all this other stuff. They're they're everybody I've known, you know, that's actually like involved with the business. This this, this is not a slam on Chick Fil A. I'm just using them as an example. Um, at least the the local one here, I think they all do it. But they have some sort of day, like if you dress like a cow. You get like a free meal yeah. or something like that. Like it's just a fun little thing, you know. You could like bring your kids to or something, like, you know. And it's it's just like a community thing. It would be akin to like, I don't know, like wearing a leather jacket into Chick Fil A and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'm dressed like a cow. Where's my free meal?" <laughs> like that's about as Christian as I think our leaders mm-hmm. like try to be now. Like mm-hmm. just just enough to just try to get the attention of the base. Like my um. Jared, I'm glad you're here now because I feel more comfortable making relentless sports references. I always feel guilty <laughs> when I do that to Tim. Not that he doesn't like sports, but Bring it on. <laughs> we 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 bond over other things. Right. Um, is that politics has felt more and more like a sports rivalry for the past few mm-hmm. yeah. political cycles? Oh yeah, and, political and, football. Yeah, I think yeah, even what what people call it sometimes. But now it would. But you know what the crazy thing is? Is that, and maybe maybe it's because I didn't know anybody. And I'm I'm trying, I'm really trying to remember. Um, maybe you can help me too. Um, in, gosh, I don't remember what year it was, but it's probably been in the past five years. Remember um, the running back for the Baltimore Ravens, Ray Rice? Yeah. Um, you know, he'd like brutally assaulted his either his girlfriend, fiance, his his right. significant other. It was caught on tape. He was, you know, he was the the, the topic of the mm-hmm. league of of ESPN for months because they didn't know if he was even going to be kicked out of the league forever. If he was going to be banned if they were going to mm-hmm. reinstate him and stuff. I don't remember. This being like it, it wasn't like just Pittsburgh Steeler fans were the ones talking about how bad Ray Rice was and that the Baltimore Ravens fans were like, listen, he probably had a reason for what he did. She right. had it coming. Like, you just need to get him on the field because we're not going to win any games. Like, even the most bitter of sports rivals don't defend treacherous human beings that represent their brand to that level. Well, now, uh-huh. There may be some, and I said I tried to remember, but I couldn't remember. So I'll be glad to be proven wrong. But... I, I wasn't. I wasn't going to prove you wrong. I would just say I think that's true at the pro level. If the same scenario happened in college football, I'm not sure it would have been the same result because yeah. college, college is a whole other level of fervor. You know, it's of like that's true. Go, it's of like going up to 17 year olds. It's like you know, 58 year old men accosting 17 year olds in restaurants Mm -hmm. because they signed with another school, you know, stuff like that. So I'm not sure, but yeah, I I agree with you. I haven't, I don't remember a situation, at least in pro sports um, like that, where they would, where they would do that. But college, college is more along the lines of like a religion, which it kind of ties to the political sort of thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, I mean, I, I just, yeah, like I mean, I, I I I've not had I've watched sports my entire life, and and I don't think I've ever seen a case where a, a you know a, any kind of individual or even collective figure was in need of such major accountability 
mm-hmm. um, for something they'd done or said that, that that figure would have been defended because we need the win right. for our team. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, it's a bitter pill to swallow when it's your team. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's team loyalty now. And that's right. Oh, Tri- gosh, tri- that's so tribalism. Yeah. Yeah. It's tribalism. Yeah. There's, um, mm. I, I don't particularly care for, uh, I, I used to like Joe Rogan better than what I do now, it, but, um, he, there are some good podcasts, some good guests he's had on, um, and you can find them other places too, but I just, you know, happened to catch him on there. Um, I think there's Jonathan Haidt. Uh, there, there's a couple of different ones. William William Von Hippel, who's um, an evolutionary biologist, or uh, I believe, and um, and then there's uh, Jonathan Haidt, who's a psychologist, and they have their long podcasts. But I think both of them uh, do really good jobs of talking about tribalism and especially mm-hmm. height uh and and basically how we got here and the pressure there is now to agree with your tribe on everything you know regardless of what it is yeah. uh, regardless of how immoral regardless yeah. of how absurdly false it is um so mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of stuff that you can yeah. kind of get out there that that gives you a you know a better framework yeah. for for how we got here and like how hard, yeah. how hard it's going to be and to that, pull back from this. And that's been striking too. Seeing a lot, of, I mean, all these, you know, obviously it's election season, so all these ads, and so many of the ads for Republican candidates, they brag about their voting record with Trump. They agree with Trump one hundred percent. They do this with one hundred, as if that's right. anything to brag. About. And I'm like, even even if you're a Republican, like, it's it's okay. I I would prefer. Even if I was agreeing, let's say I agree with their position, I, re- I was, you know, all in, I would still want disagree. Like, I feel like, isn't it a healthy and it, it's a sign that you are your own person if you right. disagree with them? And the fact that they're bragging that their voting record is exact, like exactly well, with Trump is really that's, problematic. That's the way to advance, you mm-hmm. know, um, oh, yeah. you know, every and listen on both sides. I think it's flooded with politicians who are who have their own self-interest in mind mm. to continue oh, yeah. to move up in their career. And, you know, mm. to some extent, that's to be expected. I mean, yeah. you'd be you'd be naive not to think that doesn't play a part in some things. But, you know, to, to put when, when you're playing the game with a leader who who craves to have yes men around him all the time and craves to be told how smart he is. And yeah. how he does everything right. And even if he does stumble backwards into doing something right, he'll complain about how not having gotten enough credit for it um, uh, or all these things. Uh, you, you can understand why, you know, people are trying to pitch themselves as the ultimate yes men mm-hmm. uh, to him, which is which is a shame because, I mean, I mean, I, I can't. Um, uh I want to say Lincoln just because that's the president we all say was so good. Um, and I don't mean to say that he's not, but I mean, I think, uh, there was, you know, there, there have been precedent in the past of past way, way past administrations of, of leaders who would choose cabinets intentionally of people they knew didn't agree with them on things right. mm-hmm. to help, to help make them better, to help give them a wider perspective on what was best for their constituents. Um, because, yeah, 
you have to understand when you are in a position of leadership and I have a very, very small experience of this in my job right now, but, but, you know, I'm responsible over, a over a number of people. And when you are, you eventually have to realize that you are responsible for people whose world you're just not that familiar with. And so, and, and that's understandable because it's a big world and people have different lived experiences. So in order to do that, if you're actually a wise leader, you want to equip yourself somehow with, with perspective on those areas where you're blind. But if you refuse to even admit that you have blind spots, even in theory, then you're just sabotaging anything good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, the, the, the tribalism is, um, it's crazy. I, I, I mean, normally over the past four years, it's, it's disproportionately conservatives in my sphere, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, acquaintances, whatever, uh, where those relationships are either fractured or just gone forever, you know, uh, yeah. but like even on, you know, the liberal side, you know, one, one thing that stood out to me was when the whole thing happened with, uh, the Covington Catholic kid at, uh, in Washington, they were there for the, maybe it's the March for life parade. So they had all this stuff going on and it was when the native American elder, uh, you know, came up and Bad basically it had to go out. Yeah, had had to go out of his way and go into the crowd and like bang the drum in the kid's face. And so there was um, a, a, just an acquaintance. We weren't friends or anything, but on on Twitter, just like going off on this kind of of the original narrative. And, you know, I pointed out like, well, yeah, but, you know, we, we've seen since then, like this wasn't something where they surrounded him and, and all that, uh, you know, whatever. The kid is probably a complete jerk, but in this case, you know, he didn't really do anything wrong. And the, just the outrage at me, like, how could you defend someone in a MAGA hat? And I'm like, look, I'm not, trust me when I say I'm not eager to, uh, <laughs> like, like that, 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 that hat, that hat alone is a trigger for me. I see that in a grocery sure. store and I, and my eyes just roll automatically. Um, but so it's not that, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's like, what what matters more to me is what's true. You know, I mean, I, I come from, you know, 10 years in a journalism background and for all the bad rap that, you know, journalists get, you know, uh, most the vast majority of the ones that I worked with are, you know, just good folks looking to to tell the story of what happened. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how far do you want to take that? If you saw a car wreck and um, someone in a MAGA hat was had the green light but you know someone else you know in in the opposing you know political camp ran the red light and t-boned them are you gonna be like well i wouldn't defend them i will tell the officer that it was the guy in the maga hat who you know i mean how far how far do you want to take this right. and and he just you know he had no response for that and so all he could do is sit there and say you know that that's that's outrageous that's outrageous that you would defend someone like that and, and he wouldn't engage with it uh, at all. And of course, but, yeah. What's yeah. Up? But you have to like, I mean, right. you can't gain any ground or respect or understanding. I mean, you, 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 you resign yourself to the fate of never being listened to by the other side. If you never acknowledge something that's plainly right in front of you, because, 
because there's so much active cognitive dissonance to plain truth out there in the first place that if you're not willing to take the step and acknowledge what's obvious, like, you know, I, then, then, then you can't move forward. And, you know, we talked about screen exposure and stuff too. And I think, you know, social media and electronic conversation, um, is a hindrance in that as well. Like, I mean, COVID isn't helping obviously, and we need to make wise decisions and how we, how we are around people and stuff, of course. But there's, there's very little replacement for offline. Other people aren't around face-to-face conversation with human beings that don't have the agenda of how they appear to the rest of the, of the internet when they're talking. Yeah. You know, um, for people to really admit like, you know, what, what's going on, because like, it's, it's, we, um, I'm, I'm starting to jump all over the place too, but you know, you know, this is all obviously got us all kind of riled up in our own ways and in our own circles. And I'm thankful because I don't have, I feel like I don't have very much patience for, for engagement online on those kinds of things anyway. So I don't speak too much about it, um, on my own profiles. But unless I have a very personal vested interest that has a direct tie to my family or my faith. Um, but when I, when I do make any kind of open criticisms, especially of conservative, um, viewpoints, first of all, I kind of feel entitled to do that because that's kind of the camp where I've come from, you know? Right. So like, same, and, and, same. Yeah. and I feel mm-hmm. an accountability, especially to things that claim to be, uh, messengers of the gospel, representatives of the gospel and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's a very big deal to me. Um, that's something that's very sacred to me. So if I feel like that is something that's being presented in a way that's unbecoming to the public. Um, and I have a direct, some kind of direct interaction with it. I want to say something about it. And we are so we people who, uh, uh, many people who are, um, I sound like the president now <laughs> they're saying this. Um, but there, there are a lot of people who um, have blurred the lines so much between conservatism and Christianity that the moment yeah. you begin to criticize um, applicable points to criticize about conservatism, um, conservative politics, um, you're just that myth. Well, I guess you just want to kill babies then. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't say anything about babies. Um, yeah. And that 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 would didn't apply to the context of what I was talking about at all, really. Right. right. Um, matter of fact, I didn't even tell you who I was voting for, um, or like, yeah, it's just it's so. Oh man, like it's it, the 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 reactionary level um, on that, and and that is a whole nother. That's a whole nother. We'll, we'll have to, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to review Sophie's Choice or something to talk about the abortion debate or something. I don't know. Uh, later. <laughs> That's a joke. I don't want to watch that movie or talk about it. It's horribly depressing. Um, and it's also a conversation I don't care to have, even with two friends who I know would agree with me. So, but yeah, it's just, uh, ugh, man, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very very hard to have these conversations now. And, 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 and I know we started this, you know, in a, in a jovial mindset because it's a, you know, this sort of satirical comedy. And I, I don't, I don't think, I really don't want to believe that it's because so much of the population has become 
um, I, I, w- I wouldn't want to accuse the population of being dumbed down. Like, cause I think back to one of the earlier, earlier jobs I had probably like 10 years ago when I first started working in, um, consumer electronics, I used to work right across the street from our town courthouse. And, um, we sold, you know, all kinds of stuff. It was in a radio shack at the time. Um, and one of the, uh, there, there was a prominent attorney in the town who would come in really frequently to buy things for court. Um, a lot of t- more, more than one occasion they would need to like, a like, a play recorded phone conversations in court or something like that. And so, um, I always got tickled at her, uh, not to her face because I'm not that mean of a person, but after she left is that, uh, this brilliant mind like could do things I could never do in terms of like arguing in court, go through that level of education and stuff. Couldn't operate the tape recorder to save her life. And mm-hmm. this was not a complicated piece of machinery. Right. Th- this was a, a late 1990s, early 2000s model of the cassette recorder. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah. OK, there's only five buttons on this whole thing, ma'am. Like it, it's it, here's power, you know. So, you know, I was very patient. I wasn't condescending or anything, but that's the kind of thing that always, that, that, that is a lesson that has stuck with me my whole life is that there are fundamental things you would just assume, even with a little bit of repetition, people would grasp and they just don't. And that doesn't mean they're stupid because they can prove to you in other areas of life that they're quite competent. But there's just right. something that's not connecting here. And that's what I feel like a lot is that like I know some of you people are so smart, smarter than me, way mm-hmm. smarter than me in a lot of areas. So why can't you see what's right in front of you in this stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I think – well, I think to your point, yeah, there, there's definitely – one thing we always have to remember is that there are definitely different kinds of intelligence. Um, but, I, yeah, I think for this – uh, to me, it, it's not even it, it's not an intelligence issue. Just just like, you know, I was talking about how like conspiracy theories usually aren't uh, an intelligence issue. It's it, very smart. People can fall for conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. It, it it usually it's a it's the fact that emotion is trumping. No pun intended. Uh, genuinely, no pun intended. But emotion is trumping. Um, you know, rational thought. And, and so I think a lot of what you've had happen here is a combination of different things. Uh, but, you know, but a lot of it just comes back to the fact that, you know, most, most of our lives are somewhat mundane. You know, I, I think that's probably fair to say for most people, what you've had happen with this, I think is that you've had people, not just Trump, but Trump has been really good at harnessing that, um, is giving people a couple of different things. One, the idea that they have a fighter for them. They have a protector. Um, and I think people are always looking for uh, a savior in the flesh, you know, whether it's uh, in the form of an athlete or a celebrity or a yeah. pastor or a politician or, uh, you know, a, just a family member, a father, grandfather that they revere, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of people, their real savior is 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 a real person. They need a, a tangible thing like that. Trump has provided that. The other thing is he's given them a purpose, you know, in, in the sense that you are in a battle of good versus evil. You're a soldier in this mm-hmm. war. And so I'm your I'm your protector. I'm fighting for you, but I need you to fight too. This is these people 
are evil. They're baby murderers. Uh, they it, it's they're promoting socialism, which is the most LOL worthy narrative for Joe Biden, <laughs> who is more of a pre 2015 Republican than Donald Trump is now or has ever been. Yeah, and I've gotten yeah. to the point where I'm like, listen, if you think Joe Biden is a socialist, please don't vote. I'm not trying to be mean, but if you think Joe Biden is a socialist, just don't vote. There's no shame in that. Like, just uh, accept the fact that you're not really paying attention to anything that's going on, and 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 please don't vote. Um, <laughs> so, he's got he's got electrolytes, Jared. <laughs> he does. He does. Right. Uh, so so I think it, you know it's just so much about those things. It, it, it's so much more tied to emotion. Um, you know, just to to giving people purpose and uh you know the idea that they have somebody fighting for them and and that's so difficult to overcome because the more emotion that you inject into something the more it just overwhelms um rational thought you know i mean basically you know feelings um beliefs you know drive uh, a lot of of what we're talking about here and uh, so it, it's just it turns into this little chain reaction of, of feelings driving beliefs and beliefs driving mm -hmm. thoughts and thoughts driving actions. And mm -hmm. um, I'm extremely pessimistic about how we go back from here, too, because you have there's so much money involved in keeping people in this partisan battle. And it's not Trump's taken advantage of it, but Trump is not the root problem. If Trump just vanished into thin air tomorrow and was never heard from again, it would help, <laughs> but it, but it, it wouldn't make anything worse for sure. But well, actually there would be conspiracy theories about why he vanished and, oh, yeah. you know, anyway, but, <laughs> uh, but, but that wouldn't fix the problem because we got here from about 25 years worth of, uh, you know, pundits, pastors, politicians, mm -hmm. you know, just, just feeding into this over and over. And now, uh, you know, you've got a device. I mean, we're all doing this on computers, uh, but, you know, now you have everybody with a cell phone, a smartphone in their pocket. And, and, you know, we know that some people, you know, they're just they stay plugged into it all the time. They can be in a room with their spouse or their kids or whatever, and they're staring at their phone. And in into that device, you, you just have uh, everyone pumping uh, partisan rage rhetoric in 24 seven you know ben and uh, steven and i have talked about you know we have our favorites uh oh, yeah. that we like to talk about ben shapiro and and, and some of these guys oh, man. but it doesn't you know it, so it's not a fox news thing anymore you can't just get rid of fox news and solve the problem so you can't get rid of trump and fox news and solve the problem now you've got you know all these sites like the daily wire that they put things out on every platform imaginable um, so it's just being fed into people. It, it goes back to the problem about kids mm -hmm. and screen time. It's basically there's a bigger problem with adults and screen time. So yeah. I, I want a, 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 a system to like lock people out of, uh, you know, their devices after uh, after 90 minutes of, of tuning into <laughs> like Chuck Chuck Woolery's right wing, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Twitter podcast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Well, you know, and you also have the fact that people, I think all people, are cursed a little bit with, um, underneath it all, wanting to find a narrative that agrees mm -hmm. with them right. when they're looking for stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and we're all guilty of that to an extent. Um, and, and it is this sort of Hydra, uh, last two minutes of Batman begins, uh, problem Mm -hmm. of, you know, of escalation. Like, you know, you, you snuff out, you snuff out the root and, you know, three more pop up in its place, mm-hmm. but not only do they pop up in its place, they're more extreme. They're each more extreme mm-hmm. than the last one was like, yeah. I mean, um, so it's, uh, you know, we're dealing with a problem now that, uh, again, I'm, I'm not, this isn't a news podcast, so yeah. <laughs> I don't really care how error ridden, uh, my claims are, but you know, when the, the last scandal that wasn't really a scandal, um, that they tried to stick to Joe Biden, like when Fox news even won't pick it up. Right. That, that should tell you something. Right. And yet, and yet there's still enough outlets out there now to try to make that a thing. Yeah. Um, should, should tell you something about the landscape. So, I mean, listen, idiocracy, it's, 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 it's a weird, it is a weird necessary thing to exist now. Um, but it's just less funny by the day. Um, not because some, not only just because some of the jokes haven't aged super, super well, but also mm-hmm. just how well you can sort of tie the mentality of a yeah. lot of the problems mm-hmm. to really, to real things that are happening, you know, which we didn't talk about a ton, yeah. but one that really got to me was just the sort of the corporate takeover of things like, you know, yeah. and, and I'm not saying this was necessarily by design. I think this was just kind of what else did you expect was going to happen when you elect a corporate president um, with a flair for the celebrity, just, mm-hmm. just bringing in all of his corporate buddies to run yep. departments. They don't really have any business running, you know, mm-hmm. like didn't again, don't fact check me. Cause I just, I don't care, but like, you know, did the, like an oil tycoon to be like mm-hmm. the EPA guy yeah. or something like, you know, yeah. just all, all kinds of like crazy. And it's hard to keep yeah. up with because half of them haven't worked totally. there for three years at this yeah. point anyways. So and, like, it's yeah. just, and it's interesting. Sam, no, 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 it's okay. I was going it, to, it's interesting to think about too, when this film was made in 2006. So that was when, you know, like with the Bush uh, administration, Dick, yeah, Dick Cheney, you know, former CEO. Um, so I feel like what, what it was kind of, I think the what was kind of fermenting then. I feel like with Trump, it's just kind of like, pile, I mean, piled on to know. quite a degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did not know what was coming. Oh man, really? I will um, say the funniest slash saddest part of the film is that they thought it would take five hundred years to get to where to where they were. I'm like, oh, I know a, that's I, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, apparently, one of the writers. Um, which I had to do a double take because I saw his last name was Cohen, and I was like, "Was one of the Cohen brothers?" It's <laughs> right. not not that Cohen. It's Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what, let me see. Hold on. Where is it? Uh, shoot. Um, so at the time, Judge you know, Mike Judge also compared Republican. I uh, said, so "Let me just read this whole thing." During the 2016 <laughs> presidential primaries, writer Aiton Cohen and others expressed opinions that the film's predictions were converging on accuracy, a sentiment repeated by director Judge during the general election. At the time, Judge also compared Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump, who later won, became president of the United States, to the film's dim-witted wrestler-turned-president Dwayne Elizondo, Mountain Dew, Herbert Camacho. Uh, <laughs> when asked about predicting the future, he remarked, I'm no prophet. I was off by 490 years. <laughs> 
that's exactly right. I, I, wow. I, I thought about that, you know, like, like, can you imagine if, if you had just put someone in cryo or they were in a coma in, you know, like mid 2015 mm-hmm. and then they woke up in mid 2020, like what, what in the world right. happened in the yes. last in the last five years. Well, do you remember in Back to the Future when Marty is trying to convince 1955 Doc that Ronald Reagan is the president? Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And he's just aghast. I'm just trying to imagine what a 2015-minded person would say if you told them what was happening now. Right. Like, right. And, and like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, the, the apprentice guy? Yeah. What happened? I, um, I, like, I find myself, I, I, I've been... I was telling another friend of this back, like probably even a couple of years ago now, you know, like I just find myself struggling not to resent the world so much because like growing up on shows like Star Trek, the next generation and things like that, that I like, I knew we weren't going to have spaceships. Like, I'm not saying that I thought we were going to have spaceships. I thought though that, um, and even certain other things of like Gene Roddenberry's view of the world were just overly idealistic. Like he, he thought that we could eradicate poverty and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking like, no, you, you know, you, you really can't because you can't eradicate greed. And, and so anyway, but I, I thought there would be certain things where we would become a more informed society. I was mm-hmm. really naive about what well, we are informed. Yeah. Well, just not yeah. with the truth. Right. True. Um, I, I was really naive about, you know, like how the internet mm-hmm. would, would reshape things. I thought like, oh my gosh, people are going to have access to all this oh, knowledge. Yeah. And, and I really oversold people on how they would use it, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, hundred yeah. percent with you. I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. It so I, I was just imagining this, you know, just this, this future where just things just kept getting back. And, and this mm-hmm. is just, and, and like up yeah. through 2015, yeah. uh, even though, even though I didn't agree with all of, you know, Obama's policy, it wasn't like, uh, you know, I'm, I think liberals, um, which I'm not a liberal, but you know, liberals, anyone who's anti-Trump gets painted as a liberal. And so, right. uh, I've learned to just sort of bear that, uh, moniker now, but, uh, you know, people think of, of, anyone who's anti-Trump is like, oh, well, you just, you just loved Obama and all this stuff. No, that's, that's not true. It's, I'm not tying all that to like, Mm -hmm. he made the world so much better, but for a variety of reasons, I felt like through about, you know, through 2015 or so we were on an upward trajectory. And then all of a sudden we just, you know, slammed on the brakes and, you know, threw it in reverse and, you know, ran over a hydrant and flipped over and the car caught on fire. And <laughs> it's like that scene from Tommy boy when he's trying to sell the brake pads. All right. Um, yeah, no, I've, uh, said many times in my house that the American politics, uh, seems to operate like a Baptist church's pastor search committee, um, <laughs> where, we get so disillusioned with the guy we have in leadership that when we finally get him out, we swing the pendulum so hard in the opposite direction for, um, for who we, um, you know, for, for all the things that we didn't like about, about someone. Um, like we might, we might have to elect some, but when Trump eventually leaves office, whether that's now or later, we might have to, you know, elect somebody who's, who's never even walked into a business building before. I mean, you yeah. know, it's just, just right. that much of a, mm-hmm. of a thing. So it's, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I yeah. do, 
I do feel like uh, by the time our next episode comes out, we still may not know. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll say, I'll say this. I feel it's, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd time for me to interject this, but I just want to interject some, some humanity into all this too, because it's so easy to get weighed down by all the nonsense and all the, all the real sludge of what we're having to deal with. And it's just two things. One, one thing that did encourage me out of the movie is just that like he is that they, they do, um, they, Luke Wilson and Maya Rudolph's characters were not, they were not great people. They were not heroes. Mm. You know, they were not, um, they were not incredibly virtuous people. I mean, she was a prostitute and he was a slacker. I mean, you know, to put it mildly, um, so it didn't, you know, require larger than life people to, Mm -hmm. to change the trajectory, you know, right. Just, just enough people taking the opportunities to act on common sense, um, which I know seems like a really large ask right now, but you know, we could baby step this thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, and 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 that is you know it 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 wasn't this wide sweeping it was not it was not the portals scene from Avengers Endgame where just every hero shows up and lays waste to the to the battlefield um, with all their powers combined um, and so you know it's it, it's just a just a small change to get the pendulum moving back in the right direction and the only other other thing I want to say too is just that um, what probably disillusions me the most personally is seeing the Christian faith being co-opted by a political stance. And so, I mean, it's just like if I haven't really, Tim and I have been working really hard to try to figure out the sort of makeup of our listenership and, and, and we still don't really know, uh, but we're, we're working on it. And so I, if I can just say for someone who has dedicated most of my adult life to furthering education and, and the Christian faith and preparing for things like ministry and stuff like what, what if if you see something being spouted from a podium and, and and there are a certain number of American flags in the background and stuff like that's 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 not what's expected of you. That's 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 not real. I, I would say it's not real. It's not it's not it's not the real faith that's being that's being offered to you. It's it's something else. And the true expectations of living, at least within the Christian faith, are very much more tied to just tied really to just two things obviously there's a ton more to go into with it but just tied into loving god and loving your neighbor and you don't hear that coming from coming from any podiums or rallies or anything like that because that's the kind of stuff that requires a sort of messy getting involved in the daily lives of people around you and actually actually um you know, getting involved in the hurt and the burden carrying and the, and the care of other people, you know, it requires empathy. It requires love. It, it, um, it, it doesn't ask for something in return, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is, which all the, all the opposite of all those things, you know, are very, very much things that kind of characterize the nature of what we have is what can I get out of your loyalty? What can, what can you do for me? And like, and if you, and if you don't fall, fall in line with, with how I, see the world and how I want to implement things, then you must not really belong to us and all this kind of stuff. That's not really, that's not what that's about. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, a couple of points on that. Yeah. I mean, that's what, what you're talking about 
there, I think, you know, there's a lot of just like this sort of like tra- transactional relationship mm-hmm. nature. And, um, yes. that's, that's one thing that, you know, John Kelly, uh, who was, I, I forget people's positions now because so many people have rotated through that white house that I don't yeah. remember what positions they were in, <laughs> oh but goodness. anyway, yeah. whatever, whatever high level position John Kelly was in, you know, he, he was talking about afterwards, um, that, uh, you know, Trump was the most flawed person he had ever met. Um, but he, it, which I mean is subjective, but, but when you talk about the transactional nature, when he was talking about like the transactional nature of all of Trump's relationships, that really does make sense. Um, that that's just the way a narcissist would view the world. Um, but, but going back to a couple of things, one, what you were saying about, you know, if you see, uh, a person, you know, doing this, that's not really, um, what we're called to do as Christians. Like if you see a person having a peaceful protest tear gassed in order to take a photo op in front of a church, um, if, <laughs> it's if, not if, funny. It's not funny. It's yeah. just, we laugh so we don't cry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 if you were unsure about Steven's example, then this, this is probably Let Jared flesh it out for you, everybody. Yeah. If you were on the fence on that one, this one should probably be the one where you're like, oh, yeah, okay, never, never mind. That's the tiebreaker. So um, the other one was, you know, you mentioned about how you, you were talking about in the in the movie, um, a, you know, how it takes a couple of very average people to um, get get the job done, uh, uh, you know, change the world or whatever. And, but uh, as a side note to that, you're talking about how, you know, Maya Rudolph um, is the actress in it, and she plays, ironically, Kamala Harris on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, and then I was thinking about, you know, Luke Wilson is just kind of this smiling guy, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of Joe Biden-like, you know, he's just kind of <laughs> this average guy who's smiling, and maybe maybe that is it, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe the parallel, we, we have seen so many things with the Trump thing that have paralleled the Simpsons, mm-hmm. In addition to idiocracy, uh, but maybe this is where it starts to turn from the Simpsons yeah. toward idiocracy, where it really is like this average guy who, it's because not... I mean, who's more, who's more vanilla, who's more normal, do, you know, just doesn't make waves than than Joe Biden. He's not know? sleepy Joe Biden. He's regular Joe Biden. Right, right. He's regular, yeah. regular Joe Biden. So maybe, um, maybe that is. Maybe that's. Maybe that's what it'll take. Tim, what do you got, man? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, gosh, I don't, I don't know how to, re- it would be repeating a lot of what you guys said, but, um, I do like what you, Steve, what you're talking about, the idea of like, it's been so, and again, this is kind of what you said, Stephen, this has been so disappointing to see, uh, a religious community, evangelical community prop up someone who kind of is, is it, it complete, 180 of what the faith is supposed to look like like you said love god uh love neighbors and um and i feel like a lot of that has to do it's it's partially i think because of our people are quick to criticize like you're jared like socialism and other things but i'm like why don't we start looking at like what we're you know capitalism and how that's that's also an antithesis of of christianity how the idea of this bottom line a zero-sum game of we're all fighting to to get what's ours, you know, fighting to get to the top. I'm like, there's so much of that that is, and I think that's one reason why you said, Stephen, a lot of these, the, the, the 
unflashy, unshowy, like unsexy, just caring for people around you. It doesn't make waves. It doesn't get attention because it's not this kind of rat race to the top. And, and it goes against like the idea of profiting and consumerism and marketing, kind of everything in idiocracy. It kind of goes against all that. And it's a complete antithesis of that. And it would mean people at the top wouldn't be, you know, getting wealthier. And uh, it would it would hurt a lot of people's pockets. And I think that's why it's so it's so um, it's not this thing that it should be because it goes against a lot of what we say as a nation that's supposedly a Christian nation, but we actually believe in, and that's what could benefit us. Well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think we are, and the, this, this has always been true to an extent of a certain, a certain percentage of people. Um, we all, um, we're all guilty of this in some areas, I guess, but we all believe what we believe until it's, as long as it's comfortable for us to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, nobody really likes to have the mirror held up to them. And, yeah, and so, um, you know, it's, that's, that's hard, but that's life. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to try to claim the moral high ground on something, don't be surprised when the mirror shows Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't, you don't avoid the mirror by asking what about her emails, you know, like (laughs) that doesn't work. And that was also four years ago. So I I don't understand what, what thought we got over that. But anyway, I've, I've, I've taken to, um, I saw someone and, and this guy, um, like he's a Christian counselor, he's constantly influencing other people and how they think. And I, I've had, you know, if I had a dollar for every time I've gone off on a rant on someone, uh, about some various topic, but, uh, this one was specifically on Hunter Biden's laptop. And, uh, he was, he was saying something about that basically and making a joke about how, Oh, maybe that guy, the guy who owns the shop is going to quote unquote, you know, commit suicide, basically throwing back to the, uh, Hillary has people killed sort of thing, you know, Ah. and, and stuff I've taken to, I've taken to, um, of teasing people by saying, why are we not talking about the possibility that Hillary deleted her emails from Hunter's laptop? (laughs) And then. And then people are like, that's stupid and ridiculous. And I'm like, exactly. That's the whole point. We love stupid and ridiculous conspiracy theories. Hillary is the A-plus villain. We have got to find a way to tie her more closely into this. When we go from her to someone like Hunter Biden, it's like going from Batman fighting the Joker to Clayface or Superman fighting Lex Luthor to Metallo or something, you know. The drop-off is just too yeah. big, and we love nostalgia. We shoehorned in the emperor. At, we've got to bring end. Magneto back into this. We've got to bring <laughs> Magneto back into this. We 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 shoehorned in Palpatine back into the rise of Skywalker. Mm. We've got to find a way to get her back in this because we we can't keep kidding ourselves that these other villains are any kind of suitable replacement for her. It turns mm. out that Hillary Clinton actually is Hunter Biden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it can be like a Scooby-Doo mystery. They can just yeah. rip the mask See, off. You really are. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, well, those, uh, so those go well. You know, people love being mocked and, and uh, uh, condescended, you know, so those those conversations all go well. Yeah, I don't <laughs> see why not. Um, well... Um, we're slowly descending into our own personal idiocracies here, I think, um, 
as time goes on. Like I said, we laugh so we don't cry. It's a, it's a heavy time, um, and uh, I, I don't know that I'm 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 kind of tapped out for uh, for idiocracy as it goes personally. So I'm gonna uh, just take one more loop around around the conversation. Do you guys are there any uh, other things about the movie or even? extrapolated ideas to modern times that you didn't get to share that you'd like to dive into. Uh, for Tim. me, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm falling down on the job. No, you know, I'd not, I, I'm sure there is here and there, but I think the bulk of it, a lot of it's we, we covered and, and talked about, but yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, age, I don't know. It is not the, doesn't age well, I will say. And maybe perhaps it's because things are, pretty bad now and in their own sort of unique ways some similar but some different i don't know it's kind of this more complicated complex uh, web of a lot of problems here here's an honest question if things change politically sooner rather than later do you think the movie gets better with viewing no, yeah probably not <laughs> i think there's <laughs> no it's probably just gonna be new and other new you know unique yeah. ways that we couldn't have predicted uh oh man <laughs> I think it would be for me a little bit like, but I mean, I've, I've had, actually I've had one friend in particular that like when I'll reference things, he's been saying idiocracy, idiocracy. And that was prior to us even talking about, um, you know, doing it as a, as a podcast. And so now those references are, you know, clear to me. Um, so that helps. And I, I think, I think it will, would get a little bit better for me. I don't know. I can't imagine wanting to go back and watch it, but Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I did somehow sometime or show it to somebody else, it would be a little bit better being slightly removed from the situation. Cause right now it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it helps. It's like a little kind of therapy, but we're still in the middle of it. And yeah, so yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to really appreciate it fully. Yeah. You don't really want to watch the Revenant right after you've survived a bear attack. that's true so so to speak (laughs) well uh jared any any other additional uh notes or um findings you'd like to share i i think that's it for me um appreciate having me again and uh putting up with me eventually just getting to a point where i didn't even really attempt to tie present things to the movie i'm just like Here, and here's this, another here, thing here's this thing that i'm just yeah. gonna rant about for a minute um, no, we need I, it. I'm, I'm pretty sure you knew what you were getting yeah. into when you brought <laughs> yeah. me on for this that's anyway okay. so, that's kind of uh, why we got you here so yeah, you could right. use you to be our scapegoat for all those feelings anyway so it, there, it was a mutual transactional relationship um, there, there you go theme of the night uh, that's yeah. it that's it. Uh, no, in all sincerity, thanks, Jared, for joining us for this. Oh, yeah. I think this has been therapeutic in its own way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody, I hope you, I, I mean, I never thought I'd be the person to, like, stump for voting and stuff and on our platform. But, like, uh, it always seemed kind of corny. But, honestly, I hope everyone's had an opportunity to do that, like, responsibly and um, – and, and uh, I can't think of the word, but like in, in a way that you make sure that you're using a method that is uh, legitimate um, so you can make sure it counts. Yep. Um, and uh, that, you know, get to that. Hopefully you have by now. 
Uh, if not, happy voting tomorrow. If uh, this is if you do uh, listen to this on Monday, and um, we'll see what the rest of the week and so on holds. Um, next week we'll come back to probably you know a less politically charged discussion. Um, we'll be revisiting for the rest of the month some uh, just just some movies that that harvest a lot of love for us. Uh, uh, from one reason or another. So uh, it's a pretty loosely based theme month, but we'll come back for that and um, we'll let you know what that is when we meet with you next time. But uh, other than that, thanks for joining us this week for thunderous applause. And until next week, keep working on your night cheese. We, we, at this point, we have really no idea. It's just a bunch of conjecture and doomsday scenarios.